Landlords, whether you own one rental property or hundreds, you want to run a profitable business because your future depends on it. Education is the key to opening doors. Your success depends heavily on knowing and complying with dozens of rules while balancing the need of the business for profit. This show lets you listen in on conversations that various landlords have regarding real stories that are posted on our forums. Now come join in on the conversation and happy landlording. Evictions are scary and it's a swift process to go through one. However, they can get costly, they can be drawn out, and it can scare a lot of people into making decisions that they may or may not have made if they would have known the process. So today I'm going to have a conversation with you about the eviction process and how it works. Now, as full disclosure, I am an Alaskan licensed broker to do real estate and I specialize in property management. Even though I've done hundreds of evictions, I'm still not a lawyer. And don't use this episode as advice for your situation. We are talking in general terms and concepts of what the eviction process is in the state of Alaska. So understand that every situation is different. Every situation has a but, maybe, if, um, maybe. <laughs> so I always recommend a lawyer. Even to this day, I go to court with a lawyer, uh, even for an eviction. And I've done lots of evictions, of all kinds of evictions over the last decade. Um, but I still have an attorney. Because you never know when that tenant's going to challenge you with something. You never know when you're faced with a judge that may or may not know all the statutes and you need somebody to quote it to help the judge along to render a decision. So let's get started. Let's start with what the eviction is. The eviction is actually either done in a small claims court or what I call the big boy court. And eviction is called an FED or forcible entry detainer. Now, you cannot proceed with a lawsuit, let alone a judgment for possession of your property, without terminating the tenancy first. Now, this usually means giving tenants adequate written notice in a particular way on a particular form. Now, if the tenant doesn't move or reform from your written notice, then you may file for the eviction. Now, state laws have set out very detailed requirements for landlords who want to end the tenancy. Each state has its own procedures as to how to terminate notices and eviction papers must be written and delivered, aka process server or served, and different type of notices often require different types of situation. In Alaska, we have many, and I'll go over those here in a bit for you, just so you have an idea of what could warrant the eviction. Now, you must follow the rules of the state and procedures exactly. Otherwise, you'll experience delays in eviction attendant and maybe even lose your lawsuit. Even if the tenant has multiple bounce rent checks late for several months, it won't matter because you have to dot your I's and cross your T's to have a good success rate. Because an eviction judgment means that the tenant won't have a roof over its head, including their children, including their other dependencies and disabled and handicapped. Um, the, the state laws regarding evictions, it's very, very demanding upon all the landlords and they have to be detailed. 
Otherwise, uh, judges feel like they're adding to the homeless problem, which, as many of you know, Anchorage has a homeless conversation just about every day trying to figure out how to solve it. And one of those ways to solve it is not allowing evictions to take place. Now, even if you properly bring and conduct an eviction lawsuit for valid reasons, you're not even assured of winning or having a tenant evicted if the tenant decides to mount a defense in their uh, way. You always run the risk of encountering a judge who, despite the merits of your position, will hold you to every technical technicality and bend over backwards to sustain the tenant's position. The, the way that you have to conduct business with the tenant may also affect the impact, uh, the outcome of the case, because a tenant can point out a particular behavior or and call it retaliation, and that will shift the judge's attention away from what is why we're in court today and the wrongdoing of the tenant and actually start focusing on you and your behavior. Because in Alaska, we do have a law that talks about retaliation against a tenant, and they use um, eviction courts as a way to protect the tenants from such retaliation that may happen over time. So simply put, unless you thoroughly know your legal rights and duties as a landlord before you go to court, unless you dot every I and cross every T, you may end up losing. Our advice, especially if the action is going to potentially be contested, is to be meticulous in your business practice and your paperwork and be very, very prepared for the lawsuit. And last, hire a lawyer and hire a lawyer that specializes in evictions. So the next thing I'd like to talk to you about is um, notices. In Alaska, we have a couple different types of notices that do different things. And in order to understand how to even get to the point of filing an eviction, we need to understand how notices work and what they're for. So typically you have a notice that will say pay rent or quit. Those notices come in different ways. You've got your seven day notice, um, to quit so you pay rent in seven days or you quit. You also have notice to cures like the 10-day notice in Alaska where it basically says you're in violation of X, you need to do X to cure it. If you don't cure it by this day, I can file for an eviction and go through that process. And then of course you've got some notices that because they've received previous notices, um, there's no way to cure. You just need to ask them to leave because it's maybe the second or third or fifth violation in a certain time period. But in Alaska, you have to be very, very careful because you've got your 24-hour notice, you've got your five, your 10, your seven. Those are the common ones. And then of course you got your 30s. And if you don't serve notices correctly, you'd be challenged on your notice, how you serve the notice. And if your form is not correct on your notice, you'll be challenged there as well all of which could be grounds for the judge to say dismissal of case, continuance of case. When that happens, you basically have to start over, which is very, very costly. When you do a notice, you want to make sure that you consider all your options. You can either hire a process server, which really helps in mitigating problems at trial. You could uh, certify mail to, do, to the tenant, which the problem with that is if the tenant never picks up their mail, then they're not really considered served. You could find the person and serve them while they're walking to their car, I guess. Um, that seems pretty scary and hostile. <laughs> you can also go knock on the door and serve anybody over 18 at the property. 
Uh, or you can post it to the door after you've knocked and no one's home and you post it to the door. Be very careful about posting to the door because tenants love to claim in court that they never received that notice. And then it's the burdens on you to prove that you did serve the door. Um, and the tenant will say, well, we live in an area with high winds and the notice must have blown away. So I never was served. So you'll want to make sure you take a picture of your notice. You want to make sure you put the notice inside of an envelope. You can't do like we used to back in the day and put it on bright red paper because that's constitute of retaliation. And then you want proof that you really stuck it to the door. So four pieces of tape on all edges of the envelope and then a picture of it on that door. And that door belongs to that unit that the tenant is living in. You don't want a picture of a blue door and it could be anybody's blue door in Anchorage. <laughs> so you have to be tactful of all the things that a tenant may state or claim. And if you can't show proof against it, then it is what it is and you'll have to start over. Now, something that is also missed a lot when serving notices is giving proper time allowed. So for example, let's talk about a seven day notice payment. Well, let's say you're posting that notice on Tuesday at three o'clock. Well, you can't count from three o'clock on Tuesday. You have to count at 12.01 a.m. on Wednesday and then count Wednesday, Thursday, all the way up to the seventh day. And then on the eighth day is when you're allowed to go walk down to the clerk and start uh, filing for a summons and doing a, com a formal complaint. Be very careful on how you count the number of days. It breaks my heart when I see a landlord having to start all the way over because they filed for their complaint too soon or they filed um, their notice, their written notice to a tenant, slightly incorrect, not allowing the tenant enough time to respond. It doesn't matter if today, you know, 20 days later, uh, the tenant had plenty of time to respond. They just didn't have enough time on that notice. So therefore you have to start all over. So be very, very careful about that because that's where majority of the complaints with landlords come from. And that's where most of them have to start over their cases. Hi landlords, I'm Cassandra Taggart with Real Property Management. Landlords know that if you wanna be profitable, you'll need a team to manage your rentals. That's why we've developed several different packages to assist with the ongoing demands of rental properties in Anchorage and Wasilla. From maintenance coordination, collections, accounting, communication, marketing, and even evictions, we help with it all. Give Real Property Management a call at 268-4779, mention this radio ad, and receive a special price, 268-4779. Now, the eviction lawsuit, FED, begins when you file the legal document called a complaint. Complaint lists the facts that you think justifies the eviction and also asks the court to order the tenant to leave and basically uh, give back the unit. So it's it's a notice for, for possession of the property. When you file the complaint, the clerk will assign a date on which the case can be heard by the court. This date is entered in on the summons, which is a piece of paper that will then be served, you gotta pay for another serve, to go to the tenant and must answer um, your charges in writing to the tenant to say why we're all going to court. And then that adds another number of days before we can go to court. And the tenant also has the ability to do a response to that summons, which could be a 
approve, a deny, a negotiation of a settlement. It could be you sued the wrong party. It could be all kinds of delay tactics. So you wanna be very careful because failure to properly serve the tenant is one of the most common errors that a landlord make and may result in a court dismissal of the lawsuit even before you even get to trial because the tenant could do a response saying, illegally served or improperly served or wrong person, any of those things, and just make you start over. So it's vital that you pay close attention to the rules, the procedures, your paperwork. And I highly recommend at this phase that you should have already hired an attorney um, or considered who to hire uh, to avoid more delays. Because a lawyer can look at your paperwork and tell you where your risks are. A lawyer can tell you maybe you should start over before we waste money just to make sure there's no problems. Now, many eviction cases never actually end up in trial. For example, the tenant moves out before the court hearing and then therefore you have to vacate your um, case. Or you end up doing a settlement negotiation with the tenant like cash for keys. So then you have to vacate your court hearing. But each case that does actually go to court has very unpredictable twists and turns that can greatly impact the trial and the tactics as well as the judge opinion. For that reason, you probably really should, and I'll say it again, uh, should hire a lawyer. If you haven't done so already, you wanna prepare for the trial. So this can be done by looking at the checklist on the website, we have a checklist on landlordsalmanac.com where it's a checklist of all the documents you can put together to give to your attorney. It's a lot easier to hand a packet with everything that he'll possibly need rather than have him spend time looking, sending you an email saying you're missing XYZ and do it again and again. Because attorneys are typically paid by the hour, by the minute. And so it'll save you money by just being prepared. And typically lawyers could charge somewhere between $300 and $800. Of course, it depends on if there's continuations, issues with the judge, issues with paperwork um, that could create delays, which could run up the bill even more. What you must prove at trial obviously depends on the issues raised by your complaint and the tenant's answer. For example, if you're wanting to do non-payment, you have to prove a defense for payment and prove that there's no reason to withhold rent, for example. Or if you want to do a complaint for noise, you want to have really good proofs and files for the noise. Um, and then when a tenant wants to contest, they have the right to contest. So you want to show that you have the basic elements of the case through paperwork and documentation to support to support that you can go to trial to get your case heard. Now, when you're in trial, uh, eviction lawsuits typically are decided on the spot or very soon thereafter. Uh, judges will hear both sides of the story. Um, they'll review any paperwork. Uh, that they think is necessary. When you have a lawyer, they may not ask for all the paperwork because they trust that the lawyer has already reviewed the documents. If you don't have a lawyer, typically they'll want to see all of it. If there's an issue, they'll want to see all of it. And they may go into their chambers and wait for a while reading before they'll come out and render their decision. So when you're in this stress, you definitely want all your paperwork together because a tenant could make an accusation and, they're, and you're on the fly and you're going to need to be able to quote laws, process, procedures, paperwork, how you handle things. And that's one of the major reasons why the lawyer is very beneficial is because they can work on the fly with protecting you. So when the judge comes back, he usually typically says three things. You either lose and got to start all over. 
you get a continuance because either not everybody was in court or somebody showed up and said, hey, we got an accident, I need a delay, or hey, I want to redo a piece of paper, I want a continuance, not a start over, or the judge requests a continuance because he wants the landlord to do something before he can actually render his decision. And then, of course, you could win. Uh, if you were to win, the judge then is going to give you what they call a writ of execution for possession. And on it, it's going to say how much time they're going to give to that tenant. Uh, this is determined per judge. There's no rule. So a judge could say 48 hours or 30 days. And it doesn't matter that you're losing daily rent. They want to make sure that they give sufficient time for a tenant to vacate based on their situation. So, for example, if they're disabled or have children or uh, they're military or whatever issue they may have in their personal role that may need them to have more time to move, the judge will award accordingly. Let's say uh, you get you win. You're going to go to the property, post the writ of execution on their door because they may have not appeared in court. So you need to prove that they do have you do have an order and what their timeline is, so they have an opportunity to leave. And then you also got to hope that the tenant doesn't go into chambers and ask for a continuation or ask for a delay or a retrial, which they still can do all the way up to the deadline of the writ of possession. And yes, it's been made possible for tenants to basically make you do two trials just to get a possession. So when we get to the end, you want to post a 24-hour notice to check if they have vacated. And then um, if they have vacated, you're good to go to start processing the property. If they have not vacated, you'll have to go back to the courthouse and hire the troopers to be put on a wait list for them to escort people off the property. Now, this one gets a little frustrating at times because uh, troopers, they, they put you on a wait list and as they are not working another case or an emergency, they're going to be um, putting you on that list and they'll call through that list saying, hey, we aren't doing anything, we'll come help you now. Well, that list could be really long and take two, three weeks, or that list could be really short and it could be next day at 8 a.m. But they'll call you and you better be ready to go to that property, rekey that property and be ready to go and meet them wherever they wanna meet right when they call you at 8 a.m. And sometimes they'll give you 30 minutes, sometimes they'll give you two hours, sometimes nothing at all. So you gotta be careful um, and be ready. So then when the troopers get them out, then you need to process the unit. Now, you wanna do a full inspection of this place even if the place is destroyed. The reason why is because they may claim that that $2 TV is now a $2,000 TV and you wanna protect your interest of what possessions are left behind. And then uh, you may even have to use the abandonment notice process to uh, process those items because you can't just up and throw things away. Um, and then you work to get the property back up to rent ready condition. And then you make your list of damages, get your security deposit transmittal out the door. And then you gotta go back to the clerk and ask them to refile for judgment. This is when you finally get to say, here's the total amount of damages the tenant has done to us. like late fees, NSF fees, rent fees, attorney fees, 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 damages, damages, everything, the whole list. And then you got to go to trial again. So they'll have to serve the tenant, pick a date, go to trial, stand in front of the judge, argue each and every one of your line items of damages. And then if he awards you a particular amount, most of the time he wants to review the paperwork and take a few days before he'll render an answer. Sometimes he may do that decision in 30 days, 60 days, depending on his uh, caseload as a judge. 
So when he finally says, yes, you're awarded $10,000, then you got to start the collection phase. So you got to ask the courts again for writ of execution to do bank sweeps and do payroll collection checks and PFD garnishments and all these other processes. Or you can hand it over to the collection company and they will assist you. Just know collection companies are not cheap and there's a reason for it. So let's say you win a judgment for $10,000. The collection company could negotiate the balance to $5,000 and the tenant pay $5,000 and they'll take $2,500 and give you $2,500. As an example, every collection company charges differently. So you may go from $10,000 all the way down to $2,500 of money to collect uh, when, when tenant decides to finally start paying. So that's where it gets difficult. Now us at real property management, this whole time we're dinging their, uh, credit. Um, so typically that makes it harder for them to find a new place to live and they're more likely to pay us. So that way they do have a new place to live because it will pop up on their credit reports. Um, also we'll be hurting them potentially for years to come. So when they try to buy a house or a car, it'll show up on their credit as damage and they are more likely to pay to bring it current so they can have their car. So there, there's perks to doing it yourself and there's perks to being within a management company or a collection company because we already know how to navigate. We already know the little tips and tricks to try to reduce costs but still get uh, the money such as credit reports. So that's kind of the process of what an eviction is, specifically more in Alaska. Every state is slightly different, but I wanted to use this as a way to make it where it's not as scary or scary um, or the importance of an attorney or not and kind of understand what your risks are so that way when you're faced with a situation you can make the best decision possible. So to kind of sum it up, most evictions cost anywhere from 800 bucks to about 1500 bucks and then you're looking at loss of rent which is usually about a month or two. Then you're also looking at damages when the place. Um, most evictions typically cost anywhere from 2000 5000 in damages. So it adds up really fast and it's a $10,000 total expense typically. Um, and that's a big mistake. So if you think about it, the best way to avoid all of this, screen, screen, screen. And to help our fellow landlords, you can do background checks through the website. If you go to landlordsalmanac.com and click on the links, uh, you'll see that they can, you can do tenant screening that will assist you in doing the background check. Remember, you've got court view, you got credit reports, you got to confirm their previous landlord and confirm their paychecks and confirm they're still employed. So all of those things will help you on top of having a really uh, dialed out process of what type of backgrounds you'll accept or not, debt to ratio incomes, uh, how much of an income they have, or how much stability do they need on a job before they can qualify. So hope that kind of helps you get started. It's a short highlight of what we do in our classes. And I wish you the best luck and to avoid this headache, screen, screen, screen. Scott with Pioneer Floor Care is a longtime friend, business owner, and happens to have many rentals in the family. He falls into a category of what I would like to call hardworking, good people that provides great value for the price. As a result, Scott needs to be on your speed dial list. Since he and his family are landlords, they completely understand you need to have a variety of options when it comes to solving flooring problems. 
This is why Pioneer Floor Care is more than just a carpet cleaning company. They help with floor repairs, excessive water on the floor, creative options with odors, mildew mitigation, and many, many more. Give my friend Scott a call at Pioneer Floor Care. Thanks so much for listening today. I appreciate it a lot. If you enjoyed this episode and many more to come, then start jumping in on the conversation. Come to our website, sign up, and start chit-chatting with others about your stories or help others through their stories. The website is www.thelandlordsalmanac.com. Hope to see you there, and I'll begin chatting with you as well.